Detroit Lions, it's all access with men's basketball head coach Stan Johnson. Each week, Coach Johnson will take Lions behind the scenes with the men's basketball program, talk about the new standard and upcoming events with the program. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get started, we just want to thank our sponsor, LMU Athletics. would like to thank University Credit Union for bringing you today's episode of All Access. University Credit Union is a proud supporter of the Lions family. You can visit your local University Credit Union at ucu.org. Well, Coach, first things first, how was your weekend? I had a good weekend. I had a good practice Saturday. had a chance to uh, relax a little bit on Sunday, watch a little basketball. So a good weekend. We're back at it. First, I, I do want to talk about those practice sessions. Uh, I know that having hour limits on practices for a week is not anything that's particularly different this year, but how has that uh, limit of practice hours, specifically eight hours of on-court practice, how has that proved uh, to be either difficult or challenging uh, or an opportunity, as we were talking about last week, uh, for this team uh, until the actual start of, of official practice dates? Um, I, I mean, I, I see it as a good opportunity. I don't think it's it's challenging. You know, as a coach, you always want a little more time, obviously, to to keep going to get things right. But it's been good. It's been a good mix of putting in things that you know are base stuff, where guys know uh, what we want to do offensively and, and defensively at least, so that when we start official practice, that we're you know we're doing those things. And we're starting practice off at a point where we can actually get up and down and practice. And, you know, we have some structure and semblance of who we want to be. Now it's nowhere close to who we will be uh, in the next seven weeks, I'm hoping. But this time has allowed us the opportunity to grow and, and implement and teach and um, create an understanding of what is important to our staff and what's important to our team as we move forward. What do you find has been the best way to to maximize those hours of practice, uh, trying to get the most out of those eight hours? Um, well, you know, right now we spend a lot of time on our defense, especially our pick and roll defense, our coverage. Uh, it's, it's a little different than what they're used to. Um, you know, we've also spent a lot of time on our offense, our spacing and our movement. Uh, those have been the two biggest things. And then the third piece we introduced today is our transition defense. In order to be a good defensive team, it, it starts with transition defense, which starts on the rise of the shot. So, you know, that's how we have spent majority of our time. That being said, I think it's awfully important to put the ball in the guy's hands to continue to improve uh, their individual skills. So we allow for about 15 minutes of uh, individual workouts. Still, even though we're trying to put our system in where guys feel like they're getting better as a player, um, a lot of shooting, a lot of footwork. That's how we've spent this time. And usually before we start practice, I usually have an edit from the day before where it's maybe a couple clips offensively, a couple clips defensively, and we kind of go through it so guys can see what we're talking about as well. So that's kind of been our, our formula to this point. What do you see as as the benefit of including that 15 minutes of, of more individualized workout time? Uh, why do you continue to implement that? And, and what do you see as the benefit of that to the team? Well, I think confident players play better. And when the guys have the ball in their hand and they're shooting and they're seeing the ball go in and they're working on their, their game, number one, it makes them feel like you're invested in who they are personally and individually. Two, the more confident they feel as a player, the better your system works once they get in it. 
So that's, that's why we do that is to continue to instill confidence in them and for, for them to understand that <clears throat> we're all in on their development, you know, as, as a player, you know, so that's crucial for us. Overall, uh, kind of speaking more, more broadly, how would you describe your practice style? I mean, I, I think it varies. You know, um, you know, I'd like to consider myself a teacher, you know, where I'm, I'm really teaching, but probably an intense teacher. And I want practices to be more intense in our games. And I want to put a lot of pressure on our guys to compete. But I also want to be somebody that instills confidence in them in practice where, again, if you're open, take the shot. If you miss a couple in a row, take the next best one. Um, but I'm very demanding. And, you know, I expect us to execute at a high level. If you're supposed to be somewhere, I expect you to be there when you're supposed to be there, how you're be supposed to be there at the time you're supposed to be there. And when it comes to those things, I have a very short leash. When it comes to guys making plays and, and shooting the ball, I try to give them ultra, ultra, ultra green light that way. Uh, but defensively, that you don't have much of a, of a green light. I expect you to do what you're supposed to do and compete. You know, so that that's a description. And sometimes I'm teaching, sometimes I'm demanding, sometimes I'm a combination of both. But my job is to to take these guys to a place they can't take themselves, and it's to create an atmosphere of urgency. And in that urgency, still being able to execute what you're trained to do. And I tell them all the time, we aren't going to rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. That's in any profession. That's in any walk of life. Some people think, well, if I just get there, you know, when the lights come on, I'll, I'll deliver. No. When the lights come on and pressure hits, all of us sink to the level of our training. So we've got to make sure our training is at a high level so that when we take that dip in a game, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. When it comes to that training, where do you as a coach strike that balance between creating an environment that is both urgent and confidence inspiring? Yeah, well, like I said, I want guys to be confident. And I want to be around confident people. That being said, though, confidence with no sense of urgency and competitiveness is going to get you beat. Offensively, I'm going to give you a lot of confidence. I, you're, you're going to make mistakes. It's a game of mistakes. And I don't want guys looking over their shoulders. If you make a mistake, we'll live with it, especially if your mind and heart's in the right place. What I'm not going to live with is turnovers offensively especially bad turnovers that we can prevent. But if you take a great shot and we have good shot selection and you shoot it and you're open, you're never going to hear a word from you, ever. If you take bad shots and you're turning the ball over, we're going to have issues that way, right? But defensively, we have to have urgency where we're competing and we're taking things away from other teams. Our level should go way up. And I tell our team, you know, when you play basketball, offense should be like R&B music. There's a beat. There's a pace. There's a rhythm. There's a vibe to it. And defensively, it should be like rap music. And we have to have a sense of urgency when we step into practice on the defensive end that we're not going to feel our way through. We're going to attack. And that's the balance I try to strike, you know, between offense and defense, when to give confidence and, and when to show a sense of urgency. 
There's a really neat video that went up on social media uh, earlier this week, and it was you uh, mic'd up during a practice session. Uh, and specifically, I want to talk about one element of that video. You were in there in the mix uh, in a lot of those clips, not only running drills, but uh, running around on the court with those guys. Uh, how important is it to you to do that and to be involved physically in those drills? And what does that mean to the team? Well, I don't know what it means to them yet, but for me, um, I want to be somebody who doesn't just tell you, I can show you. And I, I like to be somebody who leads by being involved. And I think hopefully our guys, by them seeing my passion and how into it I am, I hope uh, when people see us play, our team will mirror my personality. And because they see it, they see it up, up, and up close and personal. And they know that, um, I'm involved in practices and I love to compete. And, you know, so I, I hope that's what they take from it. And I hope that's who we become as a team. Is that direct involvement something that you feel is unique to your coaching style? And uh, I, I would love to know what the influence was behind it. Is this something that you kind of took cues from, from previous coaching administrations or is this a, a coach Stan Johnson original? I think a combination. I mean, you know, every coach is different. Um, you know, just like every teacher is different. Some teachers in your classroom are a lot more interactive than others. Some just like the lecture. Some are, you know, some classes are more collaborative. And my class is a collaborative class. And our, our staff is involved. Our players are involved. We all have a say. Um, but that's where I get it from. And I've, I've worked with a myriad of different coaches. I've had coaches who were not as involved. They sat on the sidelines or stood on the sidelines and gave directions. And I had some who were very active. And I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. This just fits my demeanor and, and who I am. And for me, as we try to create urgency, it's another way for me to do that. Do you feel like the approach that you take as a coach depends more on the team you're coaching or on the situation that you're in? Or is it more a case of the team adapting to the, the, the coaching style of the coaching staff? Well, I, I think how you coach everybody, everyone responds to coaching differently. And part of a coach's job is to figure out what buttons to push in order to get the best out of each guy. And that's my job. And some guys need to be lifted up more than others. That doesn't mean that I won't demand from them, but you got to know how to deal with each personality on your team. In terms of the standard, though, Everybody's held to the same standard, whether you're a walk-on or the, you're the lead scorer on our team. The way we compete, the way we fight, there's no compromising that, right? So I'm the same that way, but how I deal with every individual is a little different. And we spoke about balance a couple minutes earlier, but I kind of want to circle back to that. Uh, where do you strike the balance between having a more hands-on approach and sometimes taking a step back and letting the guys do what they do on court? Yeah, I, I, I think, again, my job in practice is to teach. Our staff job is to teach, to be very demanding, uh, to make it hard, to expect everything to be as close to perfect as it can be, knowing that uh, we play an imperfect game, a game of mistakes. But in the games and it's, it's time for them to play and for me to direct and allow them to play, you know, so that some, because the pressure is so heavy and the lights are on now, I've got to have a sense of calmness. Doesn't mean I don't get excited or won't challenge them, but now it's time for me to let them do their, do their job and trust 
their training. So that's when I, I may back off a little bit in terms of giving them too much and letting them play and figure it out. Um, you know, in practice a lot, you know, there'd be times where I'll say, hey, one assistant, you have this team, the other guy, you have this team, and I may back out and just evaluate. And those guys are the voice. Because I don't want my voice to, by the time we get to March, to already be toned out. So it's knowing when you probably said a lot. Now I need my assistant's voices to be louder. And, you know, so you, you, you got to know how to pick your spots. And there's a feel to that. Every day is a little different. And that was a perfect segue into what I was going to ask you next was what roles do uh, the other coaches on your coaching staff have in not only creating that team environment, but also striking that balance between intensity and confidence, but also having a very hands-on approach and stepping back and, and letting the guys work? Well, I think it comes with chemistry. You know, if I'm, if I'm hard on the guys and I'm getting after them, we don't need everybody getting on them. You know, that's where we need somebody else to pull a guy aside. Hey, this is what coach is saying in his own way. There's been times where I've been quiet and I've let them show that level of urgency. But our role as a staff is to coach our guys up and to make them better. And all of us are responsible for that. And, you know, when we're on the floor, guys are looking at different things. One coach could be looking at our rebounding. Another coach is looking at our, uh, you know, our defense. And another coach is coaching offense. You know, a coach could be looking at special team situations. So there's different assignments everybody has once we're out here. Uh, but our collective goal is to make sure that uh, we continually put our guys in the right position and we're helping them get better. Was that sense of balance something uh, that was a factor in your decision uh, in your decision making process when assembling this incredible team of assistant coaches that you have? Yeah, I mean, you wanted guys that you know balance each other out, guys that made up for each other's weaknesses, um, guys that had different strengths, but guys that all believe in the same thing. And, you know, our staff does. And we complement each other on and off the court very well. I think our guys, more importantly, really respect the staff, the assistants. And, uh, you know, they allow them to coach them. And if, if we can continue to take coaching and get better, and, you know, those teams have a chance to really, really do something. And I want to switch gears for for just a moment. Um, obviously, this whole COVID nineteen situation has has been uh, introducing a lot of change and a lot of uh, chance for for different teams to show resilience. Specifically, LMU, and they have done so far. And part of that resilience, I would assume, is the conference and non conference schedule that's built up out of that. And obviously, I, I know schedules aren't completely finalized, but. How do you, as a head coach and working with your coaching staff, start to go about building a non-conference schedule, not only this season, but seasons to come? Well, this year, right now, everything's in flux. And a lot of the games that we have, I inherited. We did add a few games, some before November 25th that obviously we can't play. Uh, but it, we're in flux. You know, I want to get to the point where we're playing a schedule that if we do what we're supposed to do in the non-conference, if we do what we're supposed to do in conference, allows us to be a tournament team. And that, that's how I want to schedule. You know, sometimes based on the type of team you have, you may have to not schedule as heavy if we're younger and all those things. But when we get this program going, I'd like to, to have a program where our non-conference is good enough to propel us if we do what we're supposed to do in league play. And, and that's how you go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I'd also like to get to a point where we could 
you know, get some good teams and some really good teams with some names in home of home games where we're bringing names to, to Gersten. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. And you have to become somebody for people who want to take that risk. But I hope over time that's what we'll be. Well, speaking of playing in Gersten, obviously the, the atmosphere of a, of a home stadium is something that's important to a team. Uh, you know, you see sometimes different venues are labeled as, you know, a really difficult place to play, not only because of the fans, but the environment that that team creates. How would you like to have your team uh, start to create an environment in Gersten? Well, we got to show up. People have to show up. People have to, to, to be present and we have to give them a reason to show up. People have to, to want to believe that basketball is important and that this is a fabric of their collegiate experience. And once we get that, where there's buy-in and uh, students want to be a part of it, fraternities and sororities want to be a part of it, our, um, you know, our professors here want to be a part of it. Um, our community, especially Westchester, want to be a part of it. That's how you that's how you create great teams. And that's how you create a great program. You know, we've got to become a team that people want to come and see. And we're responsible for that. And we've got to do our part here on campus, in our classrooms, with our professors, with the students that we uh, come into direct contact with in the community. We have to give people a reason to want to come. And once they come, you know, I hope they'll come back. But um, that requires everybody. And we need people to feel that this should be one hell of a place to come and play. It's on top of you. It's packed. It's small. We should have an incredible home court advantage. And I'm hoping we get to the point where people care enough to want to come see what we're doing. How does that mentality start and, and kind of trickle down uh, and really, uh, like I said, start to, to grow in, in practice sessions, even right now? Well, like I said, I mean, we're creating an environment and a lot of urgency. You know, that's what we're doing every day. It's, we don't practice hoping to play good. Like I said, you're going to practice and you're going to sink to the level of your training. So our training has to be elite. So when we sink, it's elite. And that's what we're doing. Everything matters. Every drill matters. Every catch matters. Every footwork matters. Every contest matters. Every ball screen defense matter. Every turnover matters. Everything matters. And everything's game-like. And that's, that's the kind of environment we have in our gym and what we're trying to create. And what are you guys doing now in practice as well, kind of adding on top of that? Is it more of the same things or is it something different relating to prepping the guys uh, to go on the road and play in places that are traditionally a little bit more difficult to play? No, right now we're all about getting better. Uh, we, we're not talking about playing on the road, playing at home. We're talking about competing and competing on every play, every play and every play. Um, you know, we're not caught into, well, we're going to have a game here and a game there. Right now, it's all about us getting better every single day. And it's what I said. It's our half-court offense. It's our half-court defense. And it's our transition offense, transition defense. That's our focus. We're not talking about winning and losing. We're talking about being competitive on every play. If we do that, it doesn't matter where we'll play. Good things will happen. And I know in the past we've talked about adaptability and, and the ability to pivot is that something that kind of ties into what we're talking about here? I know it's not a focus right now for playing on the road, but 
down the line, uh, when that does become a concern, how important will that ability to pivot be? No, because if we were if we're creating the kind of environment that we're creating, it doesn't matter where we're playing, right? If our practices are going the way they should be going, it doesn't matter. And people need to simulate how we're going to show up, right? Uh, so our 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 deal is to, to to focus on us and to make it about us. And if we do that, if we're connected and we're relentless and we're selfless, it doesn't matter where we play. Well, I want to talk just a little bit more about the schedule looking forward. Again, not going into too many specifics, but I know there are a lot of teams that have lost a lot of non-conference games. How do you feel that that creates a challenge or an opportunity for LMU as a team when building their schedule? Well, I mean, people have to want to play you, you know, so even though teams have lost games, it still has to make sense. Everything is so fluid right now. Um, but we're working through it every day. It's going to be a process. Um, but it's not as easy as, oh, well, you know, so-and-so lost a game. Let's play them. It, you know, it doesn't work that way. But we're, we're working through that. And hopefully before not too long here next month, we may have some more concrete. Is there anything specific uh, when choosing a non-conference opponent that you and your staff look for? I mean, it, it, it just varies on the game, you know, and where your schedule sits. Like I said, we want to play a schedule that allows us to be a tournament team if we do what we're supposed to do in the non-conference and the conference. That means you have to play some people who are really good. You also have to set yourself up where, you know, in our league, you have to play more home games than road games. That's mandatory. So you've got to make sure that's in order. You know, that's where things get tricky. Um, you know, we'd like to take playing MTE where you can go away and maybe play three games, but they only count as two. We'd love to do that in playing good MTEs where, again, you're building your resume. So those are the things that, you know, we're looking for ways to get better, ways to gain momentum and ways to put our program in a national spotlight um, where Loyola Marymount is is visible. So that's. That's kind of how we want to build our schedule. Well, I know you you mentioned in your uh, new standard letter that LMU right now is in full-blown implementation mode, as you said, implementing that new offense, that new defense, and uh, most recently that new uh, transition game strategy. What are you looking for most of all in implementing this transition game? I know you mentioned being relentless uh, and being uh, unforgiving on defense, uh, but is there anything specific that you want to either change or bring into this program? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're just bringing in stuff that we do. You know, um, we're going to play defense a little different than they did. We'll play offense different than they did. So what I'm looking for is a high level of execution in getting 1% better every day. And like I tell our guys all the time, we can't take steps backwards. And a lot of times it's not physical, it's mental. Like today we practice, we practice, we got a workout in. I wouldn't say we got better. All we did was get a workout and that can't be who we are. We, we have to have, have a, we have to be a team of purpose. And we have to be a team of execution. And as hard as we go, we have to think equally as hard. We have to play offense hard, but we have to play it with poise. We have to play it with uh, a level of understanding. We have to play defense hard, 
but we also, we have to execute defensively. And so every single day I'm looking for guys to improve. Did we improve? Did we get a little better? Did we get a little better? As long as we're doing that, we'll be in good shape. I feel like a lot of times, you know, when speaking about basketball, people, and myself included, tend to focus on, on the physical side of the game. But so much of the game is mental. And, and just as you were speaking about there, you know, in a practice session where maybe you as a coach and, and the team as a whole feels that potentially they didn't get better. It was just a, a practice session. Uh, what do you say to the guys to kind of change that mindset and pivot as you've talked about in the past? Well, I mean, you know, hey, it's like taking a time out, Right. Or sometimes, you know, I may say, hey, you guys got two minutes. Go outside, put your minds together, come back, check back in. Okay. The team, we just went on a run. We took a timeout, took a deep breath. Now let's, let's get back at it. So it's, again, finding ways, things you're going to do in a game, using those in a practice setting to combat that. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time this week. Thank you very much, and and I look forward to speaking to you with you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Of course. Lions, thank you for joining us for another episode of All Access with Stan Johnson. Join us next week as head coach Stan Johnson continues to take you behind the scenes with the men's basketball program. Until next time, have a great week, and go Lions. Go Lions.